Proverbs 31.16 provides a model for investing. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. I am Rob West. That, of course, is a reference to the excellent wife. With great intention, she chooses an investment that benefits her and others. Today, I'll talk with Cole Pearson about how we can all be excellent investors. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, today we're excited about welcoming Cole Pearson for the first time. Cole is president of Investment Solutions at One Ascent, which is actually a family of companies that fill an important space in values-based investing. Cole, it's a great privilege to have you on the program today. Thank you, Rob. It's my honor and privilege to be with you. Cole, I'm uh, interested in the name One Ascent, uh, which is actually written out as one word. I'd love for you to give us just a sense of what the meaning of the word is. Great question. It is unique. Uh, but the name One Ascent comes from John chapter 3, actually, uh, verses 13 through 15, were a passage that were really important to our leadership team uh, over the years. And when Jesus is encountering Nicodemus, uh, he says that no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended, hmm. the Son of Man. And so uh, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So with all that we do at One Ascent, we want to be lifting up the Son of Man, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I like that. Well, obviously, the organization was built on Scripture. I'd love to know, is there a particular passage that really motivates you as you try to fulfill your mission there at One Ascent to provide values-based investment opportunities? Sure. Uh, there's there's several, but one that I'll point out here would be uh, maybe Ephesians 2.10. Uh, that's certainly one of those kind of cornerstone passages for us uh, where it talks about we are God's workmanship. And you'll create it in, in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk. And so you mentioned one ascent being a family of companies. Really, what we're trying to do is help uh, everyone, whether they be an investor or an advisor, find that 210 calling on their life and walk into it uh, and integrate financial wisdom uh, into that as well. So Ephesians 210 would be one that I'd point to. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, let's apply that to investing. I think in many ways, investing perhaps has become divorced from its true purpose. That is to supply capital to great businesses, making a meaningful impact in the world. Would you agree with that? I would. And we use this terminology a lot. And what's gotten lost is that investing is ultimately about ownership. Yeah. You know, when you think about modern investing today, uh, we have these publicly traded companies, which are very large. And so it can be hard to really know what all that company is involved in or doing. And uh, we use mutual funds and ETFs and investment products that themselves are are kind of like a black box. And so just the structure of our industry has sort of been part of that disconnect. Uh, and so if we're trying to find great businesses, supplying capital to those businesses, uh, that's gotten harder and harder to do. Yeah, well, it's exciting to see what's happening in this space as the whole area of faith-based investing is really growing and maturing to the place where believers now have real options if they want to align their values with their investments. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago that One Ascend is actually four different companies, and we've got just a minute till our first break. Perhaps you can begin by sharing uh, just a few of those. That's right. One Ascend is a family of companies. 
uh, that all do different things, but in the areas of aligning faith and, and finance. So one ascent wealth uh, actually serves the end client, whether that be an individual, a, a family, a business owner. Um, we believe that we all have a deep desire to not only to live well, but to finish well. And so our advisors help those families, those clients integrate their planning, investments, giving, legacy, uh, those things to that end. But we also have a part of one ascent that's for the advisor. Uh, there are a number of advisors out there who want to uh, partner or, or be a part of a, a group who's doing that, who's allowing them the freedom and the solutions to integrate what God is calling them to as they serve their clients. So One Ascent Wealth serves the client. One Ascent Financial actually serves the advisor. And the last two companies at One Ascent are actually where I personally spend most of my time. These businesses are uh, strictly asset manager, money manager. Uh, where we build out comprehensive values-based solutions to help investors live aligned with what they value most, uh, whether that's in the public markets, through one cent investments, or one cent capital in the private markets. Well, a lot to cover today as we talk about investing in a way that aligns with your values. What makes up a good investment, and can you avoid companies that are misaligned? How do you do that? Well, we'll talk about that and much more with Cole Pearson today. He's president of Investment Solutions at One Ascent, an underwriter of this program. We're going to take a quick break. Back with much more after this. Stick around. Your Great to have you with us today on MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West. Joining me today, Cole Pearson, president of Investment Solutions at One Ascent and underwriter of this program. One Ascent is a family of companies that fill an important space in values-based investing. Cole, just before the break, we were talking about the true purpose of investing to supply capital to great businesses making a meaningful impact in the world. In some cases, though, investors want to actually eliminate companies that are misaligned with their values from their portfolios. I know you and your team have some technology that helps you do that. This is a fascinating new area in investing that's now possible. And I'd love for you just to help our listeners understand how that works. Sure. You know, when we think about eliminating companies, what we're really trying to say is, how do we get those out of the way so that we can invest in in the things that we do align with? And so that's our ultimate goal is to elevate those companies that are helping the people and the places around them flourish. But as you said, Rob, the first step in that process is to eliminate companies that are are causing harm. Unfortunately, what we've found is that investors are often unaware of the companies they own, but also the impact or the harm that those companies may be causing. Even if they are aware, uh, they might not feel like they can do anything about it. So that's where our technology and repeatable processes come in, helping kind of uncover and identify uh, where there may be misalignment. Uh, or where there already is alignment. So when it comes to eliminating and elevating companies, uh, what we're focused on primarily is a business's products and their processes. Mm. So think about what they make and how they make it. And so our proprietary technology aggregates data from world-class providers, and we have our own internal uh, analyst research team that we're really trying to do two things. Number one, we want to identify businesses out of step with our clients' values, And number two, look for investment opportunities that might deepen or further that alignment. Um, So our technology is is free to use. If anyone would like to know where their current portfolio stands, uh, we'd love to to take a look at that and show you uh, where, where that might be for you. 
Interesting. Could you provide some examples of that, either a product or a process to create the product that might be misaligned with a believer's values? Sure. For us, uh, that could be things uh, things that cause harm. So we think of a, a business model where the product itself is causing harm. So that could be things like abortion or pornography, gambling, tobacco, to name a few. It also could be things where maybe the way the business operates is causing harm. Uh, predatory lending, for example, where the business model yeah. is preying upon the end customer. Mm-hmm. Um, those are simply types of business, models of business that we believe uh, we would not like to align with and many of our clients would like to avoid as well. Yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, Cole, you say there's really four things necessary for a good investment. And the first is filling a need. Uh, Talk about what you mean there. Sure. So when we think back to uh, really to Genesis, right? Uh, Genesis 2, God put us in the garden to work it and to keep it. And that's when business uh, kind of came into being. The idea of keeping watch the good things that God has made and and working for their flourishment. So we want to invest in businesses that do this too. We know that we're in a broken and and fallen world, and so there's more needs than we can count, right? Uh, But a sustainable business is meeting a need, a true need of a customer um, that can can continue to sustain. Uh, It's worth pointing out, though, that these needs don't have to be the most exciting new technology or a cure for cancer. Uh, Those are great and wonderful things. Those are needs that need to be met, and we love investing there. Uh, But just thinking about business and meeting needs, I was impacted by several just ordinary businesses this morning. Just coming to work, right? I had to get in my car. Uh, Someone had to make. Someone had to assemble. There were many, many pieces and parts that had to get made as well. I I drove on a paved road um, to get to my office, and someone had to go out and procure the raw materials. Business touches uh, our our lives in all kinds of ways. It can be as exciting as a cure for cancer, or as simple as a, a well-paved road. The point here is that when we think about a good investment, that business has to be meeting and filling true needs you know, of its customers. Yeah, no doubt about that. But then in order to stay in business, it needs a sustainable profit. I know that's the second element of a good investment. What does that look like? Sure. This part's pretty straightforward. You know, right? Uh, without margin, there is no mission. So when we think about a good investment, we're employing a long-term view, uh, thinking about the business, the company, the the macro environment, the business cycle. And part of understanding the fundamentals of a business, as well as where they are in their, their own corporate life cycle, is, is central to building a good portfolio. So that's part of our checklist. That's step two of identifying a good investment. All right. So we've got filling a need, a sustainable profit. What would be the third element of a good investment? Well, for the the investor, the third element is a positive return. The business itself has to be profitable, right? There needs to be enough excess profit uh, or, or income that that can be provided back to the investor. Uh, so a lot of folks don't necessarily think about that, but that actually is a, a biblical principle as well. You know, mm-hmm. as stewards of God's assets, it's vital that we invest wisely and so a common concern about values-based or faith-based investing is that it's just just language, it's just words, and we're, we're masking something. You know, for us, you know, we want to make no mistake. We're not afraid to make money uh, for ourselves and for our clients. We believe that aligning God's principles and seeking world-class returns are not mutually exclusive. Uh, yeah. As believers, we need to remember that the world did not create excellence. God did. And so in all that we do, including our investments, we work heartily as unto him. And it's okay to have a positive profit in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And that, of course, I think resonates with everyone. The fourth element, though, of a good investment perhaps is one that will resonate with, but maybe we didn't see it there initially. And that is, you say, for an investment to be good, it really must bless mankind. Uh, Talk about that and perhaps even share a few examples. Sure. Uh, when we think of, of mankind, we also think about kind of the people and the places you know that, that God has built and that business touches. So like I said earlier, our desire ultimately is to elevate companies you know who are helping the people and places around them flourish. But to do that, we first have to eliminate those who aren't. There are entire industries of companies who may be meeting a need, right? That first step, it has to be filling a need. And so we mentioned abortion and pornography, gambling, tobacco, just to name a few. There's clearly customer demand, but by meeting those needs, those so-called needs, those businesses are actually causing harm. They may be preying upon their own customers. They're exploiting and, and through addictive business models. So on the flip side, when we're thinking about what makes a good investment here, uh, when the need is met, it needs to bless mankind. So just to give you an example, uh, there's a company that we're invested in who uses uh, virtual reality, VR, to teach English as a second language. And what's interesting is they found that by transforming the traditional classroom into an immersive task-based learning environment and through, through virtual reality, it actually increases retention by 250% and enjoyability by 150%. Wow. Um, the, the fun of that, right? And so yeah. for this particular company, Facebook, who's now known as Meta, has actually tapped this particular company to be the provider of language learning on their platform. Wow. And so not only is the company meeting real needs, in the marketplace. That's step one, right? But it's bringing blessing to its customers in a unique way. This company is also allowing uh, missionary training centers around the world to train up and send out missionaries into the field by helping them learn that language faster and enjoy doing so. We think God is a God of, of joy and fun. So that's why we get so excited about really the power of investing and helping faithful stewards connect in a meaningful way their deepest core values. I love it. Well, Cole, unfortunately, we're just about out of time. How can folks learn more? Sure. Uh, On our website, I would say, is the first place at investments.oneascent.com. You can read more about our team, our process, and we'd love to connect with you there. Sounds great. Cole, great to have you with us today. Thank you, Rob. That's Cole Pearson, president of Investment Solutions at One Ascent, an underwriter of this program. That website again, investments.oneascent.com. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Glad to have you with us today on MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West, your host. And we're going to take your calls and questions now on anything financial. What's on your mind today? Give us a call. 800-525-7000. We can tackle any financial question. We'll apply the wisdom from God's Word to see if we can help give you an answer to move forward with confidence. Again, 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Let's begin today in Chicago. Mike, you'll be our first caller. Go ahead, sir. Yes, hello there. Thanks for taking my call. So I have a question which I have no clue. My, To make a long story short, my mother-in-law was a prisoner of war and taken to Russia to a hard labor camp. Now, she died back in 1971. Now, since then, we got married and we live in Chicago. We moved to Chicago. However, we heard that she is entitled to some kind of restitution that will be paid by this uh, Eastern European country. 
And my question is, do do that amount will affect our social security or any of our benefits here since we're very close to retirement? Yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating question, Mike. Uh, obviously, I'm not in any way familiar with this restitution and uh, who might be offering it and how you might access it. What I can say is that uh, you would not be, uh, that would not be affecting any kind of Social Security. So Social Security is based on payment in through the FICA taxes over a long period of time. It's uh, based on your high 35 years of earnings. And as long as you didn't have some sort of compensation that excluded FICA taxes, uh, then as long as your work record is long enough and you paid in the tax, then you would be entitled to Social Security benefits. And, you know, this wouldn't affect that. Um, Are you thinking perhaps of the U.N. resolution that that Russia pay reparations for the Ukraine war or something different? It's not related to Ukraine war. Okay, this was back uh, back in Romania many years ago. And I uh, I don't know exactly who came up with this. Okay. We just learn yeah. that, that she's entitled to that. That's all. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so I would just follow that through and apply in whatever way is communicated to you to receive that. Uh, you can always call the Social Security Administration or visit their website at ssa.gov. But again, any kind of income that you would receive or reparations, uh, you know, as long as the, the work record is there and you paid into uh, Social Security through FICA taxes for a long enough period of time, 40 quarters or 10 years, then uh, they'll take your highest 35 years um, with a minimum of 10 and base your benefits on that. And uh, once you reach full retirement age, you can earn as much income as you want. Prior to that, over a certain amount, you may have it slightly reduced, but that would be made up to you after full retirement age. So I wouldn't worry about any effect on Social Security, but clearly if you're entitled uh, to what was communicated to you, as long as it's not a scam and you do your due diligence and don't provide anybody uh, your personal sensitive information, especially if they contact you, then um, I think you ought to proceed. And and again, it shouldn't have any bearing on Social Security, but a quick call to them or an an in-person visit could confirm exactly what you should be expecting. Thanks for your call today. Hey, let us know how that turns out. That's very, very interesting. 800-525-7000. We've got four lines open today. We'd love to hear from you. To Miami, Florida, Mary Lou, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Yes. Hi, Rob. Thank you for your show. Um, I have a a 60-year-old sister, um, and she's been wanting to leave something for um, for adult children. Her house is paid off. The only debt she has is like some school loan she had taken for her ch- for her kids while they were in college. And she wanted to like um, purchase a life insurance. And I was telling her no, um, you know, because now they want to charge her about a, almost like $200 for a $50,000 policy. So she was like, well, what do I do? How do I leave some money for my kids? So I said, well, let me call Rob and see if he could give some advice. Mm-hmm. That two hundred dollars that she was gonna pay, what would she? What can she do with it to, you know, to to leave something for them? Yeah. 
Well, I would agree with you, Mary Lou. That's not the best way to go. What I'd rather see you do is, or her do, is just take that same $200 a month and just systematically invest that uh, for as long as the Lord allows her to be here and see that grow. And that plus the equity in the home, which should continue to appreciate, would make for a nice legacy and inheritance. The challenge with life insurance is that's really not the purpose of it. It's to offset a risk to provide for family members that depend upon your income if you die. Well, she doesn't have anybody depending on her. She is looking at this as a possible way to leave an inheritance. The challenge is it's a very costly way to do that because if she gets a term policy that would be the least expensive way to do it, at age 60, it's going to get pretty pricey. As you said, let's say she gets a term policy. Well, if the Lord tarries and she's in good health and lives to a life expectancy of 83, well, at some point she's going to have to drop that policy and then all that money's gone. If she got a whole life policy that lasts for the rest of her life in the Lord Terry's and she lives for another decade or two or three, many people are living into their 90s and beyond today, that's going to get very expensive. She's going to spend a lot of money to be able to provide this quote-unquote inheritance that perhaps her kids don't even need. Um, So again, I would rather you look at uh, the assets that she has, which today is the home and whatever else she's accumulated, and then say to your sister, let's think about just being disciplined and taking whatever margin you have, and let's try to build assets with that in a diversified stock and bond portfolio with systematic investments, allowing her to dollar cost average into the market. The great part about that is that if she ever needs that money for, let's say, long-term care, which could be very expensive or some other unexpected expense, well, she's got it. But if she doesn't, at least now it's not all down the drain with a life insurance policy that laps because she can no longer afford it. At least she's got now something, another asset beyond the home to pass on to the kids. So I think that would be my best advice. Does that make sense, though? It does. It does. So you say stock and bond to put that money in stock and bonds instead? Yeah, just a uh, create a, a portfolio of stocks and bonds and just do a systematic investment. She could do some high-quality mutual funds or exchange-traded funds like indexes. If she wants more information on how to do that, have her check out soundmindinvesting.org. And I'll send you a book as well. Stay on the line. We'll get your information. We'll be right back. Great to have you with us today on Money Wise Live, where we apply the wisdom from God's Word to your financial decisions and choices. Give us a call. We've got some lines open today. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Back to the phones. To Texas we go. Andrea, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Thank you for calling, uh, taking my call. Um, yes, ma'am. One of my questions is, if it's not too late to get a retirement plan, my husband is 60 years old and I'm 52. Ah, it's never too late, Andrea. Uh, what options do you have available to you? Uh, I guess my first question would be, are you both still working? Yes, I'm, I'm just, I just started a, work, uh, a new job, but he is a builder and... Um, um, he uses the money, to, you know, to reinvest, reinvest the money, and okay. that's why we never thought about having a retirement plan because he was using the money all the time to reinvest the money. Yes, yeah. 
Okay, very good. Uh, do you all have real property? Uh, do you have, uh, beyond your primary residence, do you own any homes or have any other assets? Yes. Um, under his business, he owns like six houses right now. Okay. And I personal, we own another house where my mother-in-law lives there. Okay, very good. Yeah, so uh, those would be part of your retirement plan, I assume, to either generate income in retirement or to liquidate those assets and take that equity and invest it. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and so you're looking at saving in addition to that uh, inside a retirement plan. Is that what you're asking about? Yes. Okay, sure. Uh, do you all have any margin left over at the end of the month after the bills are paid that you could direct into a retirement plan? We do. It's just that uh, my husband thinks that he can work for another five years, and he always thinks that if we put money aside, he probably will need that money to keep building. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's the next question you have to uh, may answer is, um, you know, are we given the capital that he needs for his business? Um, you know, do you actually have money available to put into another asset class, in this case, stocks and bonds? Or are you all just going to rely on continuing to build out your real estate portfolio as the assets that you'll rely on in retirement for income? Keep in mind, Social Security was never intended to cover more than 40% of your pre-retirement income. And with most folks living on 80% of their pre-retirement income, uh, you need to make up that gap. And that's why we need to save over our working life so that we have uh, the ability to supplement Social Security to provide for our needs in that retirement season. Now, that can be done with real estate. It doesn't have to be through stocks and bonds. And that real estate, as I said, could be sold or it could uh, be rented out as an income property to generate income uh, to use alongside Social Security. So I think you need to do some planning to determine what is your ultimate goal for retirement assets, whether that's held currently in the form of real estate or stocks and bonds. And if you feel like you're not on track with the real estate portfolio that you have and what you might expect him to add to it over the next five years, then perhaps this is a season where you say, you know what, we really need to focus on building other assets to be used in retirement. And so let's really limit our lifestyle and let's try to figure out how much we can put every month into a retirement plan. At that point, you probably, assuming you have some matching available with your new employer, I'd probably use your company-sponsored retirement plan if you have one as the basis for those systematic monthly contributions so that you're building over the next five years or more, if you plan to work longer than that, you're building other assets alongside your real estate portfolio and the combination of the two, the idea would be that those would provide really the income you need in retirement. But I think at this point, you probably need to do some planning so you know what your ultimate goal is and whether you're on track currently ahead or behind. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, We've been talking to a person uh, at Northwestern Mutual, but we are afraid. I don't know if this um, company has good reputation. 
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Northwestern Mutual. You may want to get a second opinion. Um, we recommend the Certified Kingdom Advisor designation, so you could look for a CKA there in Texas to interview, either for just the planning side of it, to just to do some comprehensive retirement planning, and or investment management now or in the future. Uh, so you just head to our website, moneywise.org, click the button that says Find a CKA, and I'd interview a couple of them in addition to the Northwestern Mutual representative that you're talking to and see who can provide fee-based retirement planning for you to be able to create a plan so at least you know where you're ultimately headed and how you're doing currently based on that plan. Uh, Andrea, thank you for calling. God bless you guys. Uh, To Gray's Lake, Linda, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Oh, hello, uh, Rob. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Sure. um, We um, just took our... um, um, required minimum distribution, and um, I believe a couple months ago you were talking about an I bond, and I was wondering, is it wise at this time for me to do a ten thousand dollars with mine and a ten thousand dollars with for my husband, and then also do that next year in January? Yeah. It could be, uh, Linda. They're certainly not as attractive as they were 60 days ago, just given that uh, the yield on the bonds, uh, the I-bonds now have come down from where they were at a staggering 9.62% to 6.8%. That's going to be good through May. If you were to buy $10,000 for yourself today in electronic I-bonds, you'd get that 6.8% for the next six months. And then for the following six months, you'd get whatever the new rate is that comes out based on the consumer price index at the time uh, in May of 2023. Um, I still like the I-bonds because they're very safe. They're backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. And currently, because of inflation, they're paying attractive rates better than you'd find anywhere else with that degree of safety. Um, But you do have to keep the money in for a year. So I like to think in terms of buckets. Uh, Bucket one might be your emergency fund, money you need immediate access to. And we recommend three to six months expenses in that bucket. I wouldn't put that in an I-bond because you can't get to it for a year. Bucket two is money that you don't need for a year, but you probably want to have access to in less than five years. That's the ideal bucket for the I-bonds because bucket three would be money that you don't need five years and beyond. And because I think this elevated yield on the I-bonds is temporary because the Fed's doing everything in their power to get inflation under control and will continue to see the I-bond yield fall, fall. Uh, for money that you know has a time horizon of greater than five years, I'd encourage you to put that into a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio, which is going to have a better long-term return, especially given how you know low the market is right now with the recent sell-offs. Does all that make sense, though? Oh yes, yes, that's very, very helpful. Thank you so okay. much. You're welcome. If you decided to proceed with that bucket two, if you will, for money that has a one to five year time horizon and you could put in 10,000 or even 20,000 for you and your husband for this year, uh, then you just head to treasurydirect.gov. It's the only place to buy the I-bonds. You can't buy them through the bank. 
Uh, they don't issue paper I-bonds anymore. It's all electronic. So you'd create an account, treasurydirect.gov, and then do transfer the funds from your checking or savings in to purchase the electronic bonds. Uh, hope that helps you, Linda. We appreciate your call today. Uh, George Ann, Anna, Israel, we're coming your way next. And a couple of additional lines open if you have a question for us today. 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live. We'll be right back. Thanks for taking time to join us today on MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West, your host. Hey, before we head back to the phones, let me remind you, as we head toward year end, just about a month left in the year, hard to believe, uh, we would like to invite you to become a financial supporter of this ministry here at MoneyWise Media. Everything we do uh, on the air and through the app and with our coaches and at MoneyWise.org, all the content and resources, it's all as a direct result of your support. We're a financially supportive supported by our listeners and donors to the ministry. And we would invite you, if you're a part of the MoneyWise family, you rely on this broadcast or you've benefited from the biblical advice shared through the ministry to be a monthly or one-time giver to support this work. You can do that quickly and easily at our website, moneywise.org. And it's critical this time of year as we press toward year end to try to meet our annual goals for this year, as well as planning for next year. And so, if uh, you have the ability beyond the giving to your local church to support this work, we'd certainly be grateful. Moneywise.org, just click the Give button, and thanks in advance. All right, 800-525-7000. Looks like we have two lines open right now. Uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. George Ann, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call and for your program. I really enjoy it. Thank um, you. I have a friend... <laughs> I have a friend, she and her husband are in their mid-70s and are in pretty bad health. And um, they receive very little money from Social Security. And um, they they own uh, their home. And I know you've talked about, I don't know what the program is called, but where you can, um, I guess you sell your home to some, I don't know if it's a bank or a charity or what. Anyway, they pay the person up front, but they allow them to live in their home till they pass away. Can you Uh, tell me more about that? Well, you're probably talking about a reverse mortgage, essentially where you would continue to live in the home and you'd have to keep the taxes and the homeowner's insurance paid, but you're essentially systematically removing either through a lump sum payment or a monthly income stream, you're systematically pulling the equity out of the home. Uh, So folks that use this typically are in a situation like you're describing. They're sitting on a large asset, their home, they have greater than 50% equity in the home, meaning the amount they owe on it, if they owe anything, is less than 50% of the value of the home, and they don't want to sell it and downsize, uh, but they need income to cover their bills. And so they do what's called a reverse mortgage, where they start to pull that equity out of the home um, you know, in the form of an income stream, and that allows them to stay in the home and meet their obligations. The downside, which is why it's not my favorite tool, 
tool is they're expensive. So the interest rates tend to be a, a bit higher than even what the prevailing rates are. There's a lot of fees on top of that as well. And, you know, it does create a situation where uh, if you wanted the home to stay in the family, let's say, as an inheritance, the heirs would have to be able to satisfy the mortgage on a home that might otherwise be free and clear, um, you know, at their death. So is that the kind of thing you're looking for, though, George Ann? Uh, yes, sir. Um, the the house is uh, free and clear. She inherited it from her mom. Okay. And uh, she doesn't want to leave it to her, her heirs. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So at that point, uh, as long as, you know, she's got that equity and you're saying she owns it free and clear, uh, you know, generally what would happen is the lender would pay you a specified amount each month based on the uh, the value of the home and the, her life expectancy. And, um, you know, she could use that to supplement her income. So what you would want to have her research is, again, what's called a reverse mortgage, where she's essentially, in, instead of the typical way uh, you get a mortgage where you borrow an amount of money and then you pay it back, you know, one month at a time and over 20 or 30 years. In this case, uh, you're getting a mortgage, but there's no payment due. They're paying you, uh, you know, every month. And as they pay you out, plus the interest and fees, that amount becomes owed back to them at your death or at the death of you and your spouse. And it's satisfied through the sale of the home, um, you know, at, at your death, uh, based on the proceeds of that sale. So uh, that would be what they would want to look into. And I would look for somebody who really specializes in that to help them, uh, you know, find the best reverse mortgage for them. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Now with, um, like, let's say the home is valued at 200 some thousand. Would they give them the, the bank or whoever, would they give them that amount up front? Uh, You can uh, get it up front. But, you you know, typically what you would see is somebody would get it uh, over, you know, one month at a time. Um, so, for instance, you know, they could get, um, you know, depending on what they're looking to do, um, you know, they could take a lump sum up front or, you know, they could, you know, get a monthly income stream coming out through that reverse mortgage, which would allow them only to incur the debt as it's paid out, um, but really solve for what they're ultimately trying to accomplish, which is just to have a supplement to their income to be able to meet their obligations. And that would generally be the way I would recommend that they go, uh, you know, rather than trying to get uh, a lump sum all at once. Okay? Okay. Okay. And they would take out, like the bank would take out the interest fees or whatever each month? It- yeah, so it would all be added to the balance that's owed through the reverse mortgage. The interest and the fees would be added on top of that. Okay. Okay, okay. well, thank you so much. I sure appreciate your help. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you so much for calling today. God bless you. Uh, 800-525-7000 is the number to call. That's 800-525-7000. Let's head to Clearwater. Anna, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Uh, hi, uh, thank you for taking my call. I I have a question. Uh, my mom uh, had uh, funeral insurance, and after she passed away, um, I called to claim this money for funeral, and I saw that we gained, she, my mom gained like 2000 around 2000 and I asked if I will have to pay taxes. Um 
And somebody told me when I called it yes on t- on that 2000, somebody said no. Okay. So this was, uh, this was a, a life insurance policy, what is essentially yes. called a burial policy? Yes, yes. Yeah. So life uh, proceeds of insurance, of life insurance, is not taxable. Uh, so that would be paid out uh, on her death, and the idea is that that money is then to be used for the funeral expenses, but if you had something left over, uh, that would not be taxable. It would just be a part of her estate and then would be distributed according uh, to her will. And, you know, that inheritance, until you get up into the multi-millions of dollars, would not be, there is no estate tax uh, right now, so there wouldn't be any kind of tax due on the inheritance either. But there's uh, there's really never a tax due on life insurance proceeds. Okay, thank you. Okay, Anna, thank you for your call today. Uh, to Hendersonville, North Carolina. Hi, Rita. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. I was wondering, I, a few years ago, I had put my money for my 401k in bonds. And uh, I haven't lost anything until very recently I've lost a little. Now I want to reinvest back into the stock market. Sure. And I'm not sure how to go about deciding what to invest in. I'm 61 years old. I will probably work up until the luncheon at my funeral. Then after mm-hmm. I help clean up. And go with the Lord, I'll stop working. Okay, got it. All right. Uh, And so you're still there. You've got this money in the 401k, um, and it's currently all in bonds. What have you accumulated roughly, Rita? Um, Roughly around $55,000. Okay, great. Um, You know, the simplest way to go would be what's called a target date fund, which, you know, is basically where you pick – uh, your expected retirement date, which you'd have to pick a number given that you're planning to work for the rest of your life because none of us know when the Lord would call us home. But let's say you picked a, a date out, uh, you know, 15 years from now at age 75 or even 80, 20 years from now. Uh, you'd kind of, you know, look at maybe a, a 2045 fund um, and then the allocation of that investment uh, would be geared towards someone who's retiring in 2040. And in that case, because it's such a long time horizon, uh, it would be largely stocks um, and very little in bonds. And you could begin to move it maybe systematically, maybe 25% every three months or, or something out of the bonds into that target date fund. But I think ultimately it's going to come down to just given what you know, you want to set as your time horizon, 10, 20 years or more, um, you know, what stock and bond allocation do you have right now? It's a hundred percent bonds. Do you ultimately want to be in 60% stocks and 40% bonds? Do you want to be in 70% stocks, 30% bonds? The more you have towards stocks means you have the greater potential for volatility and loss, but you also have a better potential return as well. And then once you decide on that allocation and which investments in inside the 401k you're going to use, then I would say over, let's say, the next six months, maybe you start to systematically move out of the bonds and into that um, you know, ultimate uh, allocation that you're looking for. If you need some advice on that, then I would connect with a certified kingdom advisor there in North Carolina and basically just pay somebody not to manage this on an ongoing basis because you have a limited universe of investments, but they could at least advise you on, number one, what is the right allocation? And then based on that, which particular fund 
funds, mutual funds inside your 401k would be the most appropriate based on their risk adjusted returns and historical performance to use uh, to execute that plan. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on uh, not losing any money. You're going to be moving into the market at a great time, especially since you're basically flat um, and you can take advantage of the recovery whenever that happens. And that may be still a ways off, but nevertheless, uh, it's a, a great opportunity for you. We appreciate your call today. Folks, thanks for being along with us today. It's always a privilege to come alongside you and explore your questions and apply God's word to uh, what you're thinking about today financially. Let me say thanks to my team today. Clara Seagar doing a great job handling our phones today. Tahara Haynes, uh, our producer today. Dan Anderson, our engineer. And Mr. Jim Henry providing me with great research. Moneywise Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and Moneywise Media. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.